This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Dr. Doreen Grand is the Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grand Dr. Grand Dr. Doreen Grand Dr. Doreen Grand is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm here with the fabulous and wonderful Dr. Doreen Grampiche. I just realized I took my earpiece out good and didn't morning. put it back in. Good uh, morning, everyone. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Uh, and good morning to you. You look so bright and sunny. Oh, thank you. And, and I'm feature, featuring myself in a 60s movie right now. So that, that, that's where we are. Uh, good morning to all of you. We are live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and a dozen other sites that Traven, our fabulous producer, is going to roll through for you in just a second but what that means is the chat is open and you can be writing in right now and have a conversation in real time with Dr. Doreen Grampiche who if you are if this is your first time and you don't know who she is I'm so glad you're here because she's such a joy and a treat she is I believe the expert in the field of autism in our time or any time she's been working in this field for more than 40 years working with all kinds of individuals on the spectrum from very young children, even sometimes before the diagnosis, because you are someone who can diagnose, right? And up through, you know, school-age kids, teens, adults, and even senior citizens that you've worked with over more than 40 years. I know, she doesn't look like it, but uh, (laughs) she's been working in the field for over 40 years. So, uh, and there are many things that I love about this woman, but, you know, certainly one of the things that has to be mentioned here is that she has a compassionate view uh, and an uh, individualized view of autism that you see the person and that you are about making things fair for them as they learn uh, and being respectful of their learning style and, but allowing them to learn Mm-hmm. getting to the point where they, and believing that individuals on the spectrum can learn, because there's a lot of people out there who spout 
nonsense saying, you know, this is who they are, how they are, and they're never going to be anything else, which I think is very limiting. Um, but I also love that you see the entire community, the, the family and the allies around that individual and have been working so hard to help those individuals, both through your, your uh, you know, your work as a behaviorist and your work uh, helping behaviorists to understand biomedical but also through your wonderful charity, Autism Care Today. Yes, thank uh, you. So thank you. Thank, I mean, no, of thank course. you. I mean, and a lot of, <laughs> I guess, who I am and how I see autism is just from what I've learned over the years from, I guess, both the family, the parents, and the children or adults themselves. A lot of, I mean, you know, let's say 20, 25, 30 years ago, we had no understanding of the... Uh, how our senses or how the individual who has autism, how their senses might be affecting how they learn. And over time, of course, we've learned that. Yes. And so there are a lot of things that we've learned, that, and a lot of it has to do with what our kids or, or patients have told us, what, our, what the parents have told us, and you just have to listen. And you do listen. You listen Absolutely. to the parents, you listen to the individuals, but I don't think you realize how rare that is. When someone is an expert yeah, in something, crazy. their ability to listen seems to like, you know, be diminished. Uh, but not in your case. In your case, it seems to be heightened. In fact, you teased something on last week's show that I'm going to pin you down on a bit. Uh, that yeah. you, somebody asked you a question and you said that you're working on a new book. book. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, that, tell all of us, me I'm, included, what's yeah. happening with this. Well, I'm super excited about this because, uh, you know, first I wasn't sure and it's kind of like now come together and it is formed and I just, I'm seeking the the title right now. I don't have a good title yet, but what I want to do is I want to write a book that, or I should say edit a book that Mm -hmm. is mostly, it it will be, each chapter will be one individual Mm -hmm. and their parents. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, I want to be able to tell the world um, about autism from the experience of the individual themselves and also the experience of the parents. Because Mm -hmm. I think, I I guess I have two goals. One is uh, to help parents who are just entering this world, because that's, that is most, a lot of my compassion and 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 sympathy comes to that population like yeah. that is the reason I stayed in this field because yeah. I met parents when I was very young and at UCLA and I just couldn't leave anymore I was like I, this is the group that I need to help for the yeah. rest of my life I need to be here so uh, so that's one thing and I know you know like I, I know so many parents like yourself Shannon who are um who, who no matter, like your journey has been tough, but yeah. you are tougher, you know, and you have so much to give to the new families who are not yet tough and they're yeah. terrified and they don't know what it means and they don't know what the journey is and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so there's that aspect, which I really want to ho- pull out. So it's going to be interviews with the families, mm-hmm. but also... As I said, there's so much stuff that I've learned just from our our kids themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not just sort of what's difficult for them. I mean, first of all, I've noted, like, I've learned over the years that each of our kids has their own incredible strength. And I say kids, and I refer to, you know, one of my kids is in his 30s. You right, know what I mean? Right. They're all adults now, but 
they're still they were my kids when, right. when I treated them. Well, you them. call your adult children, children that are your kids. children kids as Absolutely. well. We exactly. need a new word for when our kids become adults, Absolutely, right? Yes. I, but we yes. don't have it. Yeah. Yes. And so, but I've learned and I continue to learn so much <laughs> from them. First of all, in terms of the experience of autism, kind of like, you know, an example, you know, Andy, one of my kids, was the one that taught me that it was very, very hard for him to focus on the sound of language because there were so many other sounds, like doors opening and closing, that were much louder for him or prominent, and he was more focused on those types of things and actively had to make himself listen to language. So those types of things, to me, are very, very important to know and learn. Um, And then the other side of it is that I feel like some of the, you know, one of the beautiful, beautiful aspects of autism is just the pure, positive, wonderful nature of these individuals. Like, they're just wonderful, good human beings. And they are out to, you know, it's funny because with autism, you, when you're very young, obviously you're kind of very egocentric. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that you don't see anyone else's perspective, right? And as you learn that, I feel that a lot of our kids who have now become adults are the exact opposite. They're like yeah. extremely cautious about people around them. They care about everyone. They they don't, you know, they don't do the bad things that yeah. that we do and take for granted. You know, yeah. they don't lie, they don't steal, they don't do those bad things. They just live good lives. They're yeah. good people and all they're trying to do is just kind of the best they can with their lives. And I love that. And I, I want that story to come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping to accomplish is, you know, and I already have kind of a list of, I don't know, 15 kids that I just thought of. And I thought it would be lovely for families to have access to a book like that. I think so, too. So um, I- I'm looking forward to reading this. Um, but are you looking for more people to do it if somebody feels like they Absolutely. are you looking for more Absolutely. people? Absolutely. You know, that's a really good question. Because these are all kids I've known, mm-hmm. right, and their families on my current list. Uh-huh. And I'm actually, as every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, I should put him in mm-hmm. too. You know, there's more kids. But absolutely, every journey is important. Now, I will say that the, the, the kids that I've selected are specifically kids who get to a point where they can communicate all yeah. of this stuff. So in some ways, these are like the success stories. Yeah. They're the kids that have um, learned a lot and yeah. can communicate uh, all of their strengths, weaknesses, struggles, obstacles in their lives, how they process the world. That's abstract stuff. So it's not, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, unfortunately I won't be able to put in here, maybe there's one child I'm thinking about who communicates in a different way and maybe I could get her feedback. But I'm looking, you know, these are relatively kids who have now become very high-functioning or completely recovered. So, um, but I am, I would always be very interested in talking to people who want to present their story. Okay. Wonderful. So um, I want to say, and Traven went through and showed all of you um, the different ways that you can connect with the show and different ways that you can watch the show. This show is available in podcast. 
Um, and if you want to get the audio only and take it walking or hiking or whatever, you can absolutely do that. Traven showed that to you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and forgive my minor coughing fit. Um, but also, if you want to watch any of the past episodes, because we have now been doing Ask Dr. Doreen for 12 years. Yeah, that's amazing. I it is that. amazing. I, I haven't done anything for 12 years. <laughs> Honestly. So, so, you know, the fact that we've been doing this for 12 years is pretty amazing. There's 12 years worth of episodes of hearing Dr. Grampy answer all kinds of questions. It's all there for you. If you go to autismnetwork.com, you can be connected to all of it, and you can search by question topic. Right. So you could put in, <clears throat> and we don't have this completely updated, but we, you know, we regularly will update a new chunk. But you could put in, for instance, toilet training, and then it will show you all of the questions that she's answered for to- toilet training. Because you know, your question might be, how do you toilet train an adult? Mm-hmm. So you look at the other questions and find the one you want, and then you go directly to it. So that is available to you. Um, but I would also tell you, if you have a topic that you don't see covered, that's why we continue to do yes, it because. Yes. You know, there, there's always another question. I don't think we're ever going to get to the end of the questions. So you can always write directly to me, Shannon at autism-live.com. Um, and, but do check out everything that we have on the autismnetwork.com site. We, we keep updating that site to make it even more comprehensive for everybody to be able to find things. And, and when you're there, you can still find the old autism-live website by clicking on Autism Live. Because it used to be that was our only hub. Yes. Um, now it's just one of the many spokes in the hub, as it were. Because uh, <laughs> we're, you know, we're really here at Autism Network trying to flush out, which is why there is uh, the show Stories from the Spectrum, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see the most recent episode of that last Friday. It takes my breath away sometimes because it is only the voices of those on the spectrum. Um, And Dr. Grampiche and I serve as executive producers on that. It's not our voices on that, but it's a very proud thing. I'm proud that we have have the opportunity to do that. Definitely check out uh, last Friday's new episode because it's brand new. Okay. I've got all kinds of things up on my screen here, but we're saying good morning to Susie. We're saying good morning morning to Parker. Um, uh, we do have a topic for today's show that we wanted to talk about. We, we sort of opened this can of worms last week where we talked about uh, biomedical intervention with autism, and we got a bunch of questions that came great, in this great. week. Uh, from people about methyl B12. Oh, okay. So the the overriding question that everybody wanted to know is, B, is a B12 shot the same as a methyl B12 shot? Yeah. So you actually, the shot is generally a methyl B12 shot. So there are like four different types of B12 vitamin. Um, one of them is methyl B12 yes. or methylcobalamin. And that is the type of vitamin B12 that is the most easily absorbed by the body because it's natural. We find it in our foods. And so that is why that's the the injection that most functional medicine doctors will give you for your child. Um, there are there's cyanocobalamin, which is what you usually find in vitamins. And that is not easily absorbable. In fact, it has to change two times until it becomes like methyl B12 so your body can absorb it, So, which is funny because that's what we take as vitamins. You right. Know? So that's different. And there's two other types as well. I don't remember their names right now. But 
the, the methyl B12 is the most readily absorbable by your body. It is the injection. And of course, all B12, the, the function of it is, is to you know, help your methylation, which then helps your detoxification. It gives you energy, which basically means that it is working on your metabolism and helping you detox and, and so on and so forth. So generally, when you get injectable uh, B12, it's methyl B12. I'm so glad that we asked you this question because I, I was told that the ones that you get just from the regular pediatrician weren't the methyl B12. So I'm glad that yeah. you're saying that the injectable is, it might be worth it to just ask you, you to make sure. You could also have mm. other types of, like you can, I think you can get injections of cyanocobalamine as well. But for our kids, what you want is what the methyl. What you want and what functional medicine physicians will give you is methyl B12 because it's very easy to absorb. Yeah. Uh, but I think the key to what you just said was functional medicine. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, especially now hearing you say that, when you go to a regular pediatrician, I, what you get. I mean, a regular get. pediatrician. Like just your run of the mill on I'm the street. I'm not sure they would give you injections. Yeah, I, I, I think I, you're right. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. So anyway, but you, what you want is methyl. Methyl B12. That's the thing that you want. Okay, cool. Um, uh, Parker had a question. Oh, he, no, he says, I'll ask my question in a few. Uh, but I see the star notification. If people give you stars, I hope that the money used by buying stars is used for the production costs or other things. I don't know. Like, I didn't know that the stars were costing money. I will tell you that recently, as in the last 24 hours, Autism Network started a Patreon account. Um, so that, cause people have asked us, you know, can we donate to what you guys are doing? Cause you guys know that we're out on yeah. our own, yeah. um, and you like the cause. And so there is a Patreon account and you can donate money. I know that there's something new on Facebook about giving stars, but mm. I'm not aware of any of that money coming to us, Parker. So before you do that, let us do a little research on yeah. that. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know that the stars cost money. So I'm going to ask, uh, about questions. Oh, Traven added it. So does that money come to us, Traven? It does come to us. All right. So there we go. Okay, so there you go. Now, Traven has told me, I don't know, and so there we are. Because uh, I wasn't so, aware uh, that. And to answer the question, Parker, yeah, the any money that we raise for Autism Live goes straight to everything that goes into these productions. Yep. So whether it is the production or the duplication, putting it on social media, yeah. putting it, making it available, all of that money goes straight to that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and thank you for asking that. Uh, we did have a question that came in that I wanted to get to. Hi, how can I help my middle schooler that gets restlessly, uh, relentlessly, excuse me, teased by classmates? Ugh. The school knows and is trying their best and has a strict uh, bullying policy. It's mostly verbal. Some throwing snow in his face and laughing. He is such a target. Sometimes he can handle it, but other time he, he gets so upset it leads to throwing chairs and desks. He walks away, tries comebacks, Self-talk to boost confidence, anything to reduce the size of his target, uh, but it's getting worse. No, what else can okay. we try or can I help him with better coping skills, question mark? Yeah, that's just not okay. I'm, not I okay. hate that kind of stuff. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, if I was that parent, I would ask the school, I would demand that the school give me a one-to-one -one aid at least during recess. Yes. And so that my child was never left alone 
so that they would never be subjected to bullying. Uh, I mean, in the classroom, I suppose the teacher and aide would be responsible for that, but I would hold the school uh, accountable for even one instance of bullying can traumatize your child and can have a lot of damaging effects for, for a long time. So I would be very, very adamant about getting a one-to-one aide who shadows your child and who protects him and reprimands the other children and prevents this from happening. I mean, at the same time, a lot of what we do in ABA, we can teach your child kind of solutions or, you know, what he should do when he is bullied. But my preference is to prevent the bullying altogether. Absolutely. I want to say, too, that, you know, it's one of those days that I wish Bonnie Yates was with us. But I I can tell you, and we've got a whole playlist of... Know Your Rights uh, with Bonnie Yates, but, uh, and there are several times that she's answered questions about this kind of harassment. Um, the law is on your side, and the school knows that. And, and I agree with Dr. Graham Pichet that you really have to put the pressure on the school. It's not acceptable. And you need to start documenting everything. It may time, be time to pull in an advocate or a lawyer to go with yeah. you. There is a thing where you, you write a letter of harassment. Now, a, a lawyer is going to be able to help you to know whether it's just a letter of harassment, which is a bad thing for the school and will go on their record and that will sharply focus them in fixing it, right? Because they're going to owe you money yeah. uh, when all is said and done. But there is a secondary thing that it, it, depending on the, the, the way the harassment is happening, it might be a letter of disability harassment, which is seven times bigger. So um, I, you know, you want, you definitely want that to stop. Yeah. And the school has to take responsibility yeah. whether, you know, I, do whatever you have to do um, so that it doesn't happen. Yep. But I will say it's an, a perfect opportunity for us to talk about how to help our kids mm-hmm. um, because in a perfect world there would be no harassment, but that isn't the case. Um, and there are a couple of things that you have taught me over the years that helped my son and have helped other kids that I know. Um, one of them was that you enlightened us to the fact that, it, that it's harder for kids to be harassed when they're not by themselves. And as you just said, yeah. the aid, but other kids too, other peers. Yep. And that by connecting him with even one other kid in the classroom reduces the... Because ch- bullies are chickens. Yep. And they won't go up against a crowd. Right. So if kids have some way that they connect, we've heard of older kids, the parents starting a club. Uh, I can think of one parent mm-hmm. that started a graphic arts club for the, for the, um, the high school. And then all these other kids came in because that was the particular interest for that kid. And other kids came in and suddenly he had a crew and he couldn't be picked on. That's one way that we make our kids bully-proof. But the other thing that I've learned from you over the years is that that one response, when it's just verbal, um, that that kids who bully, they want something. It's that thing about there's something that they want. And, And that... Having, you know, sometimes ignoring doesn't get it all the way done, but giving the so what, yeah, you know, reaction to them well, takes all the gas out of it. Right. Yeah, that's true. But I guess like with any other behavior, bullying will have different functions. Yes. So the bully will be bullying someone either because they need to get attention or because 
that is the identity they have learned to be yeah. you know there's a lot of different reasons well right? sometimes it's status right that they're high they yeah. don't want to be the lowest person on the totem pole so they pick on your kid so that your kid is the lowest person on the totem pole so they are not yeah absolutely but that. also like you know there are individuals in our society where they just don't feel good about themselves unless yes. they put someone near further down you know exactly and then they feel better about themselves for whatever the reasons are, and those were very good suggestions to make sure your child's not alone, and, and sometimes it, it is the right thing, but sometimes you can also fuel it by just responding to it. That's true. So, I mean, I think that with bullying, I think the best scenario, obvious, first of all, it's just hard for me to believe that kids are still bullying in this day and age because, I know, but you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a, um, it's such a it, society has become so quick to cancel people, and you would think that a bully would be canceled instantly. You know what I mean? Right? So I think the way to go about it, and I love your suggestion about just talking about trying to make your child kind of more popular. And there's so many ways you can do that, honestly, because. You know, other kids, as you said, you could start a club that involves something that your child is good at. Mm -hmm. You could just invite some other kids over and do movie night at your house. You could get your kid the best technology and have them, like, take it to school. That There's literature, research that mm -hmm. shows that often works. You could find one other child to do um, just play dates with so that they have one friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, another really good thing, I remember a school district actually in Arizona who had done this and it was fabulous. Uh, a, a bunch of moms had formed a club and they would go school to school and do a in-service for the mm -hmm. kids, mm -hmm. like a training about autism. Because a lot of times, like, kids will do that sort of stuff. They don't understand anything about yeah. autism. And sometimes it helps if you can explain autism to them a little yeah. bit better and then they might not you know they might back off and and stop being that bully yeah here in LA we have a program and I, I don't know if it has expanded past LA that it's called best buddies mm -hmm. and it was started by a woman who was just doing it uh, for Shabbat at her temple mm -hmm. but then it grew and basically what it does is it creates especially in grade school and in junior high where these t types of things t tend to happen more creates a group of kids who want a little bit more status and want a little bit yes. more privilege. Yes. And those kids then that. adopt another kid in their it. same grade that it. maybe doesn't have friends. Other schools have a buddy bench. They have a whole buddy program. Right. Where, yeah. yeah. And there's a buddy bench. Or your buddy, yeah. Yep. I love that. Right. And the buddy bench is for reset. And this is easy for your school to do because a lot of times schools go, yeah. well, we're trying, but we don't really know what to do, which yeah. is the same as you don't, you know, you're not doing anything. But they can create a buddy bench. And yeah. anytime somebody is feeling like they don't really have or something bad has happened or whatever, or they don't. They feel floaty, like they're going to float away because nobody is connected to them. They can go sit on the buddy bench, so yeah. it's nonverbal. And then other kids are trained, when you see somebody sitting on the buddy bench, it's an opportunity for you to go over and be their buddy and be compassionate. What a great idea. I love that. Right? I love that. Um, what a beautiful scenario. So this school of yours needs to get their act together, or you need to sue them from six, 68 ways from Sunday. And I know people go, oh, I don't like being litigious and whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is that some people will not do their jobs until you 
force yeah. them and penalize them by making them pay. And if you have to be the person who does that, let me just say you'll do a service for every parent who, and every child who comes later because they will carefully make Absolutely. sure that they never get sued again. Right, right. I get hepped up. I do too. I hate that. I can't believe it still exists. It's, it's unbelievable. It, and it does. I think it's just as bad. You know, in schools say, well, we have a, you know, an anti-bully policy. And then something happens. And, and often what they'll say to the parent is, well, we're handling it. Yeah. And you don't get to know why. Well, we can't disclose their personal How? information. Yeah. And no, you can't know who the child is or talk to their parents, which I think is BS. Yeah. I also suggest yeah. finding out and talking to the other parent. Right. But, you know. Yeah. But I'm a loose cannon. No, I mean, I, I think if you if you know that your child is being bullied and who they are being bullied by, I would I would definitely wait after school and talk to the parents as well. Yeah, I would. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Happy New Year to my favorite duo. It's Taryn from uh, Louisiana again with the three and a half year old. I'm wondering if all autistic individuals struggle with academics. My boy is still in full-time ABA program and will be as for as long as we can keep him in there. But wondering for the future, is school harder for our kids? And thank you so much. Thank you, Taryn. Nice to hear from you, Taryn. Yes. No, so it varies. Um, so for some kids, some aspects of school are harder. For other kids, school is the easiest. Um, so I have had kids where their academic status is so high that it kind of pulls everyone to them socially as well. And then I've had kids where some aspect of school is very hard. So, for example, there are children who have a difficult time. A lot of kids have a difficult time with things like listening comprehension um, or, you know, abstract concepts like reading paragraphs and being able to summarize them or explain a story, book reports, those types of things. Um, that tends to be an area of difficulty for some kids. And some other children have a really hard time with math. On the other hand, I have kids who are brilliant with math as well. So I think it really varies. And if your child is having a particular difficult time with some aspect of school, I would want to figure out if you have a good teacher, first of all, because, you know, sometimes our kids are, are the ones that are the quiet ones. They're not the squeaky wheels. And so they get left behind and no one is giving them assistance. So that is probably the first place I'd go is like get an observation going so you can see actually what's going on. Sometimes if you're there, things might not be quite as uh, the same as, what, as, as if you were not there. You might want to have a friend do an observation. Um, and then you also will want to make sure that you ask for accommodations in the IEP because that's the whole purpose of IEPs, right, is that they are individualized for your child. So it, you can be in regular ed and still have an IEP that helps um, accommodate for your child. So like, for instance, maybe your child needs to have an idea of what is going to be taught the next day. Um, so that would be sent home with them. Maybe your child, and you could then prepare them a little bit. Maybe your child needs more time on tests or those types of things, or even accommodated homework. Like maybe your child 
uh, takes a longer time doing homework, so they should reduce the amount of homework for your child, that kind of stuff. And accommodation, I mean, you guys, one of the things I'm really passionate about is making sure our kids are successful when they go to school. So whatever aid they need, whether it's another person, additional time, practice, books, worksheets, regular conversation with the teacher, the teacher making modifications for the child, rewarding them, putting them in the front, getting their attention, uh, getting another child to help your child, whatever it might be. I'm all about helping our kids be successful in school. Uh, it's a big part of their lives, and it will affect their uh, their ego, you know, how they yeah. feel about themselves. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, that's, I, I would really focus on, on making things a little bit better there. Yeah. I feel like our kids, when they go to school, it's almost like they're the test for the school because if all things are working well, our kids sw- like swim oh, to the top. Sure. They do amazing. 100%. But a lot of times what your child needs will show where there's a deficit in the school. And my perfect example is Dr. Temple Grandin. That at one point yeah. she was went to a she was at a private school for girls, and the girls bullied her. Yeah. And so she acted out and took books and threw them at the girls and got yeah. thrown out. Yeah. And and her mom defended her and yeah. said, "I'm taking her out of here because it because they were mad at Temple for throwing right. the books, right. right? Right. And she says they called her the R word, and yeah. so she threw books at them. Right. And the mom was like, "Good, you should have thrown a book at them, yeah. <laughs> you know." But then mom took her and put her in a different school, and um, the science teacher got her. Yeah. And the science teacher right. Right. said, "Hey," and and turned her on to things that she's become this wonderful professional professional who teaches the next generation of how to yeah. handle livestock. So it really comes down to yeah. Are, yeah. are they taking... So, you know, you're going to do all the things that Dr. Grand Pichet said so that you make sure that your child is having that level of experience. And if there aren't, they aren't, it's the school's fault. There's something going <clears throat> on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had kids where uh, from one year to the next their whole life changed because of because their teacher changed. Yep. And it all only had to do with having a teacher that really paid attention and wanted to learn and figure you out and give yeah. you the things you need. And remember, there's nothing different about this. Every child needs to have things they're good at as well as things that are a little bit harder, but things that are good at that will motivate them to keep going. So this is very, very important that your child doesn't feel like they're failing at everything. Absolutely. Uh, I want to address, because a couple of people wrote in about things we were already talking about. Uh, Parker said a former ABA therapist of mine started a program called Project Outreach in the Gulf Coast. It basically helps neurotypical kids and special needs kids know how to be friends. And that, you know, he would love to see that person on the show sometime. Send me their name, Parker, and I'll reach out. Um, Joe Honey wrote in and said mm-hmm. that about uh, looking at the the Ask Dr. Doring questions, she says, it's so funny, my first two posts did come up. She searched her question and they came oh, up. Cool. Uh, the previous 12 years of episodes uh, were sent from God oh. when we were lost in our diagnosis. And now I, I've come to the next stage of our son's life. Thank you all. She also said, you mentioned uh, methyl B12 shots. Oh. How do you know when your kid needs them? You need to actually go see a functional medicine physician and get some blood tests done. 
Um, and, you know, now the easiest way to find those physicians is to go on MedMaps. MedMaps. Do you know what they're dot org. Is it just MedMaps.org? MedMaps.org. Yeah. Yep. And you'll see a list of physicians across the country who have been trained by that organization. Uh, a lot of these folks were originally kind of the DAN group yeah. of physicians, and then it changed leadership and, and their training changed a little bit. But these are, this is functional medicine. And functional medicine is more about trying to find things that will help our system, our body, fix itself as opposed to just kind of giving regular medication that will uh, reduce the symptoms of something. Yeah. So, and when you work with functional medicine doctors, they will do a lot of testing, a lot. They'll do blood tests or and or urine and stool tests, I would say like every couple of months. And I know it's a hassle, but that's the only way to know how your body is reacting to things that are given to it. Absolutely. We have Parker's question. He says, I'm nervous as all can be. Oh. Uh, I'm planning on going to a Santa Performers Conference slash convention in Gatlinburg in April. Mm -hmm. I'm nervous because one, of uh, one, this event happens every two years, and I will most likely be the only person on the spectrum. I never went to an in-person conference before. My mother and stepdad are worried since they can't come to the convention center with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't register yet due to this. I need advice from Dr. Doreen and Shannon on, on this. This might help others on going to Comic-Cons and similar things. Yes. I'm excited for you. Great. Yeah, me too, Parker. Be, I'm very proud of you. First of all, you're uh, a maverick. You do these things, and I love that. Um, we always have to push ourselves to do things, I feel like, that are a little bit frightening, right? Because yeah. we learn when we do those things. Yes. So conferences and convention rooms, there's a couple of convention centers. There's a few things you can do to kind of prepare yourself. So I don't know where, you, like, maybe you live close to this place. I would go and check out the venue, right? Go look at the venue before the conference. Um, so convention centers are huge. They're very, very big. And when I go to a convention center, when I go to a conference at a convention center, one of the things that I get nervous about is knowing where to go because there's a lot of signs and there's a lot of rooms and they're not always well-placed and you have to look for it and you might be late and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So the more familiar, like several times now I've spoken at uh, conferences that occur at Anaheim Convention Center, which is also huge, but I don't have any anxiety when I go there because I kind of know it very well now. Uh, so if you know the convention center a little bit, it'll help reduce your anxiety. Just figure out where things are. Where's the bathroom? Where can I get a, a glass of water or a break? Where are the different, like, how is it situated? Are the A levels on this floor, B court, you know? What is the convention center like? That helps. The other thing is, uh, just look at some videos of previous uh, con of this particular convention or conference online, and look what and see what kind of programming there is, and where different people go, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. The more familiar you are with the experience, the better it is. So you know that will really help you. And then the third suggestion I can give is. 
worst case scenario, you go there and you are overwhelmed by some aspect of it. Give yourself some ideas ahead of time of what you will do if you get anxious, if you start to panic, if the noise level is too high, um, if you feel lost. You know, write down for yourself solutions before before you're experiencing the anxiety. If I feel I'm lost, I'm going to find someone from an information desk, you know, uh, or someone wearing a uniform. You'll know that because you'll look at a prior co- conference and you'll be able to tell what that is. Um, if I feel like I'm suffocating and I'm having a panic attack, I will go outside, find a bench, and sit down and do my breathing exercises. You'll know where you can go because you will have gone there and figured it out. Uh, you know, if I uh, or I'll go get a glass of water in this location. Uh, those types of things will really help prepare you for this, um, and and then go for it and and just keep telling yourself. Uh, be proud. Don't be nervous about being the only one on the spectrum. Be proud. You are, you're um, setting a path for others to follow. And what a great thing to be a leader in yeah, that sense. Absolutely. And it's funny, all the things that you talked about, those are all things that I do at a conference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, and I, one of the things that I always do is I always look for, is there any person that I know here that I, you know, at all? And sometimes there isn't, but a lot of times um, I, I go to the resource fair because usually at conventions there's like vendors, and I will go to the resource fair to see if there's anybody I know there. Like I'm friends with the the woman who owns the company, passed the big BCBA exam. Oh yeah, sure. Totally outside of autism, we're friends. Right. And so I know that if I need, to, I can put my purse there, or I can go there and sit right. down, or I can right. have a glass of water. I can hide there. Right. If right. I don't really, if I'm like, oh, I feel weird. I don't really know anybody here. I can go hide in her right, boots. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so if there's anybody that, because obviously this is a group of people you've had um, conversations with in a sure. group. So if there's anybody you know that has a booth, um, that's something I do. Now, And also, Parker, just to uh, finish up on what Shannon was saying, you know, so remember that. We all feel this way. Mm-hmm. You're not the only one. We all go into these events feeling anxious and yeah. a little bit scared, and we all do these same things. So, you know, if you feel like, oh, my God, everybody's looking at me, trust me, everyone else looks feels that way as well. Yes, we're all feeling we're that. We're all feeling that. Yes. Uh, now, Johanny had written and said, Dr. Doreen, my 10-year-old son was just reevaluated as required by our insurance, and we were just given an added diagnosis of dysgraphia and ADD. My concern is with the dysgraphia. The doctor said it is in his processing mentally and that handwriting and technical aids are just one piece. It is a cause of his comprehension issues. Everything I search talks about that only. We are waiting for the complete report. We had a face-to-face to review the results and we'll have the written report next week. What do you recommend? Who are we supposed to see? Therapy, support, and thank you in advance. Sure. So... I would not be that concerned about that. We've had children who have dysgraphia and they learn to overcome it just like any other kind of motor deficit, right? So uh, I think you do have therapy and your team of therapists can certainly focus on this aspect. Um, and you break it down essentially and you will look at the motor functioning aspect of it if there's any level of dyslexia involved in it 
because sometimes it is difficult to differentiate between the two. Um, and, and if there's any level of comprehension. I mean, you named some of the stuff here, Johanny, and it's basically the same as any other aspect of what you have already been through with the symptoms of autism. Break them down. The name doesn't matter. Uh, break down the skill that is weak and strengthen it and have your ABA team work on it and focus on it until they are able to get your child to a level where he's functioning uh, like other kids. Um, the ADD is, is difficult to give a diagnosis of ADD on its own. Essentially, that means the ADHD, but not the hyperactive type. Right, so it means the inattentive type of attention deficit is, people usually refer to as ADD. They shouldn't because the name is no longer ADD, it is ADHD, and then there's three types. So there's the hyperactive type, the inattentive type, and the combined type. Mm. So my assumption is that someone is giving you a diagnosis and saying your child has a difficult time paying attention, but they're not hyperactive. <clears throat> so that's the one I would focus on more honestly because that has to do with being able to, and that'll help the mental processing aspect of things that you're worried about as well, which is it's more about all the things you can do to improve attention. And now we're talking about things like sustained attention. So that means paying attention to something for a period of time that's longer than what we're comfortable with. Uh, so that you shape up gradually, right? And it's, you can start with topics that the child is interested in and then gradually increase the duration of time and ask questions about it. Um, and then you can work on topics that the child's not interested in and you'll see that's a much lower baseline. Usually we don't pay attention to things we're not interested in and try to increase that gradually and reward it. Then there's like divided attention, which basically means that I am watching TV and there's something going on in the kitchen and I should be able to continue to watch TV but kind of have an idea of what's going on in the kitchen as well. So when, you, when I, someone asks me questions about it, I can say, yeah, I'm, you know, this is what's happening here and I also know that so-and-so is in the kitchen doing something. I think they're cooking. You know, like right. you should be able to have that. And then you also want to have the ability to sh set shift. We've talked about set shifting quite a bit. And this is uh, the ability to go back and forth between multiple different things. Like here on this show, we go back and forth. We, do go, we, we change the subject based on the questions that come, but that's all one thing, right? It's one form of thing. Now, if I was trying, so that's one form of set shifting because I have to stop thinking about Parker's question and then pay attention to Johanny's question and then pay that kind of that is a form of set shifting but the more kind of difficult form of set shifting is being able to switch between two different modalities of our brain functioning right so as I've mentioned before a good way to test this is having your child go like you take a piece of paper and you write out on the paper mm. A, B, C, D, E, that kind of thing, and then also scatter one, two, three, four numbers, right? And then you ask your child to go from one to A, two, draw, draw a line, one, A, two, B, 
3C. That's a very hard exercise, and that's something that you can practice with your child if they have a difficult time with it. That helps a lot with set shifting. Um, another thing that you can do is this test called Stroop, which is kind of interesting, and uh, whoever did this testing can also administer that test which is a lot of you may have seen. It's the test that gives you uh, colors, uh, the names of colors, but in different colors. So in other words, it, first it'll, you'll have the words blue, yellow, green, red, and the blue is written in blue, the yellow is written in yellow, the word green is written in green, and so on. And then as you go down the lines, those change. So now you have a blue written in red, yellow written in green, and so on. And now you ask the child, tell me the colors or read the colors. You know, those types of things help us control what we are paying attention to. Uh, another really good way to do this is the, the, those things where you have a whole page of stuff. Uh, what is it called? Find, find Walt. A word search? No, word searches help oh, too. Oh, um, once where it's, where's Waldo? Where's Waldo, right. Where you have to find something. That helps sustain the attention too because you have to keep looking at something in detail. Those types of mind activities really help with attention. Uh, tracking an object and uh, being able to like indicate that you see the object as it moves is also an exercise. There's a lot of exercises. You can actually look these up. What are some exercises that will help attention? And there's tons of them there's online. There's games on, that you yeah. can get apps that are games for this. Suyan, we have a couple of questions about potty training, but Suyan asked the first one, Hi, my three-year-old son starts to pee in the potty 100% whenever I bring him to the bathroom. However, he doesn't say I need to poop or I want to pee because they're working on communication skills. Should I? Do I need to wait until his communication is better or is it okay to start the potty training? No, no, start the potty training, definitely, and give him a nonverbal form of communicating with you, if that might be faster. For instance, <clears throat> a picture exchange communication system, just a picture of him going to the potty. Um, and you can put this picture, you can copy it and have one in every room of the house and start when your child, when you are taking your child to the bathroom, first have him come and grab this picture, give it to you, and then you go to the bathroom together. So he starts to associate the picture to the activity and the picture starts to become a form of request, amend. And I, in fact, while they're working on communication, I mean, I would definitely get a PEX system going anyway because a lot of times it takes longer for verbal communication. Now, I'm assuming they're working on vocal communication. I don't know. But if there's a PEX system in place, great, put the potty in there. If there isn't, start a PEX system. And you, you've already started to answer both the other questions that we had. Somebody wrote in and said, I started to potty train a child at the age between one and a half and two and a half uh, and to, uh, up until now. The child is about to be five later on this year, and it's on and off. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done everything I can, and it's being destroyed. I'm about to give up. Can't go uh, for more than what it needs to be. 
Um, but then somebody else had written a question about it. I was wondering if expressive language comes after receptive. My son's receptive language is exploding. So I, well, both, you, both this is, you, you kind of address both of these things. Do you the want to do the receptive? The expressive thing is important. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. This other issue, I feel really bad for you. I understand it's very, very hard to work on potty training and not succeed and it's a worse for your child because now it's like four years of trying to work on this thing so go make it easy start look at it this way start from as if you're not from the very beginning but make it easy and all you want to do is it's so weird today i had a feeling when i was coming here that there would be questions on body training i don't know why it just popped into my head so um you know, make it so that ha- going to the bathroom receives a huge amount of reward and make it so that your child has fewer opportunities to fail. Okay, so by that, what I mean is you take your child on a schedule, s- sort of like the previous question was saying. Um, keep them on a schedule that is successful for them. That could be 15 minutes, that could be 30, that could be an hour. And I'm so sorry because it's very hard to do this after that many years, I understand. Do not put them in diapers the rest of the time because when children are in diapers or pull-ups, they kind of feel like they're being given permission to go in the diaper. So don't do that. Give, Give them regular underwear Uh, or they have the thick underwear, but it's not like diaper material, right? And just follow the procedures to the T, which essentially means that initially you are spending more time on the toilet, and as the child succeeds, you then let them go free, you're running around, having a great time, rewarding, throwing a party, And then you bring them back. Remember, the schedule is the most important thing when you're doing potty training. And fading the schedule gradually is very, very important. So, uh, you know, go back. We've done a lot of programs on potty training. Search for that on YouTube. And you'll see tons of not only my show, but others that we've brought on to talk about toilet training. And follow it to the T so that you don't make mistakes and so that it's successful. There you go. Now, so, so the Dark expressive Angel's receptive yes. issue. Yes. The expressive receptive issue is very interesting. So there's, a, there's an actual disorder in the book called mixed receptive expressive uh, disorder. Okay. So that's kind of an important thing to differentiate. Most of the time, receptive precedes. It comes before expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, there are cases where the expressive is just, you know, blossoming and eventually the child's receptive catches up. Mm-hmm. But I would make sure to tag the receptive and try to pull it along if you can. No, it's the receptive that's exploding. Okay. They're excited oh, because the receptive... If the receptive is, is exploding, fabulous. It usually comes before expressive and you're good to go. And that's the, the normal way that it should happen. And, and for, for our viewers, receptive is when I tell you to do something and you do it. That means you are understanding the language. It doesn't require you to vocalize. It just requires you to understand. That means you're receiving vocal information. Expressive means you are now vocalizing. You're expressing yourself. And usually, 
in 99% of the cases, receptive comes first. And, and that's neurotypical learning as well. So when I tell you, touch your nose, wave bye-bye, you know, all the stuff yeah. that we do, it comes before the child being able to say nose. You it's, know, and or, it's an exciting time when the expressive is exploding. That's a good, the good sign. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's a yes. wonderful time. Congratulations. Enjoy it. Tag it to the expressive. So the way that you tag it is that you'll say, touch your nose, and the child will go like this, and you say, what is it? Because you've just now said the word nose. They'll say nose. So when you tag them together, you start to kind of use the receptive to prompt the expressive answer. Wonderful. Uh, so earlier, I've, I've been saying Johanny for 12 years, and you said Johanny, and, and now I need to know which one it is, because yeah. I've been saying it for 12 years. So write and tell us, how do you pronounce your name, Because and forgive me for saying it wrong for 12 years. But they said, I think I found a doc that I want to use for tele via telehealth from Taka. Great. Great. Uh, they said, no med maps locally, and our local pediatrician hasn't been very helpful at all. Thanks. That's a very typical song. Not that there's anything wrong with you know your yes. local pediatrician, but they they do not have time to go down the research rabbit hole like these MedMaps doctors right, do. Right. They just they don't have time to do that. So uh, and I I think one of the you know I mean the pandemic was terrible and we've had all these things happen as a result of it. But one good thing that came out of it was the telehealth laws changed across states. Yes. So now you can have a MedMaps doctor in. Texas and you live in New York. That's true. Or, you know, and, true. and you and can connect with it's them. It's true. And I and this particular type of doctor, they don't really need to do a lot of physical evaluation. I mean, I have a functional medicine doctor. I've never met her in yeah. person yeah. ever. And I uh, zoom in with them pretty frequently, once yeah. every couple of months. And uh, they make a lot of their decisions based on your testing. So. Yes. And generally they will ask you to pair with someone who can, they, they can say, we need these tests ordered They just locally. order it for you and you go to a oh. quest. Okay. Well, that's even better. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Uh, I also, also want to thank you, Johanny or Johanny, whichever you are, uh, for because I love that she wrote and said, you got this, par uh, Parker, plan and conquer. Parker wants us to know that he doesn't live near the oh. convention center, but that he will call the conference center and get a map or a float floor plan. Awesome. Joanny jo wrote in and said it's actually Joanny. Joanny. So I didn't, neither one of us had it right. Right. I'm like all these years, Joanny. Okay, uh, and my local pediatrician said we had no, no documentation doc. about GFCFDF diets. Okay, well, you know, it's as long as they're responsive to you for everything else and they're good and you trust them. Yeah, I actually switched our pediatrician when we started doing a biomedical intervention um, because. I needed somebody who was going to be responsive and not think that I had gone completely off the rails and yeah. would listen to me. Yeah. You know, because I think having your pediatrician listen to you is pretty much up there in terms of, you know, things that we would prize Absolutely. in them. And I, and I love that my pediatrician, he would, he would call me and ask me questions. He said, another parent asked me this question. Yeah. Uh, what should I go read? Yeah. And I loved that. Absolutely. Uh, I miss Absolutely, him. Yeah. I mean, my son doesn't need a pediatrician anymore, but I actually miss People him. People who actually want to learn. 
And the other thing I liked about my pediatrician was, and, and that I switched because my son got a flu in the middle of the night and we had, and we couldn't get a hold of anybody. Yeah. And we went to urgent care and I told the story last week about how, you know, nobody would help us yeah. there either. Yeah. But um, our newer pediatrician, they, you know, this was how many years ago, but they had all, they kept all of their patient files on, it was like a, a suitcase, right, that they had that they would switch between the partners. It was on an iPad that someone responsible always, always had, had 24 access. hours a day. Yeah. So when you called into the That's answering really service, they would forward that to whichever pediatrician had the suitcase, and they would call back, and they would have my child's full thing there, and they could call orders into the hospital. Or they One time we were on the way to the emergency room, and they called the emergency room and said, my patient is on the way. Here's what things. you need to know. Yeah. You yeah. gotta love that, right? Yeah. Uh, so I know we we only have a couple of minutes. Yeah, we're. I just we're, wanted to because yeah. something that you and I have been talking about, which is we really we we love, of course, having the live show and yeah. able to answer questions on the live show, and so that usually indicates on our viewings that that this is a very popular time frame for people to watch the show, right? It's like nine to eleven a.m. or so that people are on our shows. But we, I wanted to ask our viewers, and maybe you guys can write in yeah. to Shannon or anywhere so that we can, what are the, uh, even for people who listen to the podcast later, we're looking to understand what is the best time for you to either download or like when do you download and listen to the show? Yeah. If you're not on the live shows, what is the time that you download this show and or podcast and listen to it? Is it, you know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Is it 6 o'clock in the evening? Just uh, throw that back I at love us. that. And, and especially tell us what time zone you're in so that we can factor that in. Because right. I know many of right. you have written to us from Australia and said, you'd love to watch the live show, but that would mean getting up in the middle of the night. Right. So if, if time were not a factor, and there's a reason why, which we'll tell you soon, if time were not a factor, when would you want us to be live? Uh, when would be the ideal for you? But tell us your time zone so that we know how to do that. You can write in here on, on this, or I would love it if you would email me, shannon at autism-live.com, and let us know. We kind of need to know as soon as possible. That would be great, yeah. Uh, it would be fantastic to know. All right, I think we're officially out of time, but I just want to thank you. Oh, always. For it's all that you pleasure. do. No, I mean sincerely. You're amazing, thank you, thank you, and I and you I love I love to get to be here with you and and know that you are putting that message out there to people who are listening and need it. It's just such a privilege. Thank you so such much. Such a privilege. Shannon. Believe I me, I feel the same. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, you. thank you guys for being the amazing people that you are. However you identify, whether you're the person on the spectrum or you are the parent, we just really appreciate being a part of your lives and being on this journey with you. We're going to be back tomorrow with another Autism Live show. Our guests tomorrow are um, the two gentlemen from um, Spectrum Laboratories. They're here and they've got some big news about things that they've done in 2022, part of which we were a part of, um, and things that they've got coming up in 2023. We're also going to do the jargon of the day tomorrow. On Thursday, we are going to air the episode that we didn't get to air last week of Let's Talk Movies. And don't forget, on Friday, you can watch that new episode that premiered on last Friday, 
stories from the spectrum. It, uh, there's some really good stuff in there. I, I hope you guys tune in to watch that and support that podcast. It's yep. a, it's, it's a burgeoning and more people are finding it, but it needs eyeballs on it. Um, and share it because people need to know about it and then we can be having right. more stories to tell. So we'll be back tomorrow until then give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Bye everyone.